learning differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, and this episode is the real pace of learning. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the pace in which learning naturally happens or often happens, and this is not like, oh, all this research shows this. There is some research, but most of what I'm going to be talking about is just my own observations, my own thoughts, and what I've seen over and over and over again, because I think it can, it can really help us understand what's happening with our kids and help us react in an appropriate way. So first of all, what we expect, we expect kids to learn at a pretty consistent pace. If you look at pretty much any graph that is going to be shown to you about that includes, well, your child's supposed to be at this at this trajectory, and right now they're all over the place, right? Well, every child I've ever worked with has been all over the place. Now, maybe that's just because I work with struggling learners, but I've also looked at data of other kids and nobody's like right there, right? Some go up and down and there are spikes and plateaus. So that's what I wanna show you is that that more straight trajectory up is what we expect and the reality is these spikes and plateaus. And if you notice, if we were to get hyper-focused in the August date, so in August it's at zero, September 25, October 25, November 20. If I were to look at the September, October, November numbers, and then not look at the December that jumps up to 50. So if I just stayed September, October, November, so now it's November, I'm looking at this data and I am panicking about my poor child who's making no progress. And you know, it might be, oh, what is the school even doing? Or it might be the tutor isn't working or homeschool program, I'm a terrible teacher, right? All these j conclusions we're jumping to. But if we had waited until December to make that judgment, we wouldn't feel that way because now we can see, especially if we start at that August number, they went from zero to 50 from August to December, huge growth. But September, October, November didn't look like there was any growth if you only look at those three numbers. So we wanna make sure that we are not getting too panicky in the short term but it also gives us some good information and some strategies to work with to help us our kids be a little more successful. So we're gonna talk about what to do in those moments of like, I don't know if, if they're learning anything um, or it feels like a fight, that's a big one that we're gonna talk about too. But I also want you to keep that in mind that big picture. If you look at that whole year, you're not worried, right? You see them start here and end here, great. They're making huge growth, huge progress. So keep that in mind that it's okay if there's some fluctuation along the way. It's expected, at least I expect it. It might not be what's expected on the graphs and charts and whatever, but and what it's not what the curriculum expects, right? But it's what happens. So why is it happening? One reason it's happening is that kids get bored of doing that same thing over and over and over and over again and they just don't want to, so they lose interest in it. The more boring it feels, the more their brain is tuning it out and they're not able to, to, to stick with it. 
kids also can it can also be a self-confidence thing so sometimes kids don't start the way this shows where they're starting with a huge jump some of my students start with a plateau because they've already got it in their head that everything is too hard for them they're not capable of anything and they have very low self-confidence and we have to work little by little to get them to start seeing did you see what you just did there until they start realizing that they are learning and they are making progress and then it'll suddenly skyrocket and they'll make huge growth because they'll realize that what we're doing is working and they are learning and they can do even more so as soon as that self-confidence kicks in a lot of times we see huge jumps so kids might be plateauing because they're bored because they're losing self-confidence or because they're working through something that their brain isn't yet understanding or hasn't yet, it hasn't quite clicked for them. So for example, your child is learning to read. They start off super strong. They know all their letters, all their sounds. They can read the CVC words really well. Like you're just so impressed, blown away. And then you bring in silent E. And they're like, and but you're still got those C, the, the short vowel. So CVC is consonant, vowel, consonant. And when I'm saying and I'm talking about the letters, short vowel words. So pat. Or, but then you also bring in words like cake. And then all of a sudden they're confused. And which one am I supposed to use? And their brain takes a bit to work through and sort through and make it make sense. And it might show that they can read less for a while than they were before, because now they've got this new information that's confusing them and making them less sure of the words that they were really good at before. So they're processing, processing, and they might dip and plateau for a while before it clicks, they've got it, and then they're off again, right? They make a big jump, and then you add something else in and you go through that same process. So those, sometimes it's just a learning process and something different doesn't necessarily need to happen. So let's, so first of all, let's talk about daily lessons. If your child is bored, resistant, sometimes it means that they need a break and you don't have to keep going with all of these daily lessons. Now, whether that's pausing tutoring for a while or you're homeschooling and you're gonna stop with that particular subject for a while, or you're gonna stop with all subjects for a while because your kid just needs a mental break. Um, or they're just in school and you were doing some extra stuff outside of school and you're gonna stop that for a while. Sometimes kids just need a break. If they are in school, keep in mind that school is very demanding all day long <laughs> because it's not just academically demanding, but then there's the social demands and all of the, the little, you know, the behavioral demands of sitting quietly and turning in work and keeping track of everything. It's very demanding. When kids get home from that, they might not have the energy capacity to give you anything more. So keep that all in mind. Um, so strategies, what do we do about it? Oh wait, I went too fast. Daily lessons. So maybe take a break, but maybe not. A lot of kids, benefit like I I was saying before 
especially if it's something that they're just struggling through and trying to make sense of, you might reduce it a little bit so that it's just a practice of what you've already taught. They just need the practice. You might also change when you practice this. If you work on it right before they go to sleep, either for a nap or sleep for the night, their brain then works on that problem all night long. I mean, not necessarily all night long, but it works on it during the night. <clears throat> and studies have shown that kids, people, learn more, make more progress on something when they've practiced it right before bed. So you might just switch the really hard daily lesson to right before bed, which I know also sounds counterintuitive because they're so tired and they don't want to. Super short, like it could be maybe 30 seconds of a review right before bed and you can tell them why. If we practice this right before bed, it's gonna start to feel a lot easier for you a lot faster and we're only gonna do these three words and then that's it. And like right before bed, like not you do it and then you get ready for bed and read a story and no, right before bed, <laughs> like laying in bed, practicing. And then they go to sleep, good night, I love you. And then their brain is working on it. Now, of course, if you do it a little bit before that, it also has benefit, but the closer it is to when they then put their head on the pillow and fall asleep, the more it's at the front of the mind and the brain is processing it. So just a tip. Um, or you might continue with your normal daily lessons of everything stays exactly the same and you recognize that they're struggling with it. You can try some different um, modalities or different pictures, different things you get on the internet that are fun and pretty that are still working on that same concept. But that also brings in our strategies. If you're going to be doing daily lessons, which a lot of times I'll recommend that you start by trying to continue it with novelty. So maybe it's something you find online on Pinterest or Teachers Pay Teachers or whatever it is that you want to print out and try with them or a, a game you want to set up and try with them to work on that specific skill in a fun, engaging way. It might also be just mixing things up a little. You know, normally you start your math lesson right after breakfast. Today you're gonna do it during breakfast. While they're eating, you're gonna teach them about math. And then after they're done eating, they don't even have to clean up. They can just go under the table and do some math while you clean up for them, right? Something that makes it a little different. Or maybe you pull out purple paper that we're gonna to use to do our math on today. We're doing markers instead of pencils. We're doing, we're going outside and working under the tree or at the park. Whatever it is that is mixing it up a little bit so that they are, you know, you can, so you mix up where it's happening, when it's happening, who it's happening with. Maybe you bring in a new student and it's like a little stuffed animal or your pet dog or whatever. A new student that needs to be taught, and by the way, now turn it to your child to teach that new student what's going on, because when your child is teaching, they're gonna learn a lot more than if they're just trying to passively engage with the information. Anything they're hearing, seeing, way less impactful than when they have to teach it. So have them teach the dog or the stuffed animal or the baby, whatever it is, the new student. So just another strategy, you can change who, what, when, um, where, and how you're working on it all. So I would do all of those, just think about how you can mix it up. Don't mix up all of it at once. 
If you have come up with a million strategies right now of all the things you can try, pick one to try because you want to save all of the others. Write all the other ones down, decide what you're going to try later. Because, so you have a new novelty to present later when this current one kind of loses interest and you will need to change things up again. Now, and a very important thing I want to talk about is when you're looking at that data, especially September, October, November, or later when it plateaus again, you're feeling like, check in with how you're feeling about it. If your feeling is, what am I doing wrong? This tutor is terrible. Um, the school is terrible. Like if check in with your feelings, cause it might not be accurate. So check in with how you're feeling. And especially if it's comparing kids, if you're noticing that your friend's kid who's the same age is reading way better than your kid, not helpful, right? Your child has their own strengths, their own developmental pathway, their own pace of learning. Not helpful to compare the kids. But if you're feeling, no, there's something actually wrong. Like, I know in my gut that something is not right and this kid needs something different. Usually that's right. Usually that, that really gut feeling is right. So I would say, yes, let's do something about that gut feeling that you're having and make sure your child is getting the help that they need. So just a couple things there, right? Just what do I need to do about it? If anything, how am I feeling about it? Do I feel like there's something wrong with me as a parent or with the teacher? You know, if you're looking for blame, not very helpful. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a problem there. Sometimes there is a problem with the tutor or the way the teacher is working on it or with the way you're teaching it even. But don't focus on that as much as what does my child need different from what they're getting? What is the problem, the, the problem behind this plateau or this dip? So again, if it's boredom, novelty a lot of times will fix that. If it's a self-confidence issue, then sometimes just changing the strategy so that they start to feel successful is good. Other times they do need a different program, a different methodology so that they can learn it better and make a lot more progress. What, so boredom, self-confidence, or I'm blanking. So if it's, if it, or their brain might just be working through something and they need that consistency of that, mostly the same part and program in order to work through it. Because if you are constantly changing the curriculum, when their brain is working on something, they get more confused. So not, not necessarily a good strategy. 
um, understandable and not necessarily bad either. It, it depends. Like what you want to really be doing then in those cases where it's they're just working on it and trying to figure it out is have keep that same core program curriculum, even if you don't use it directly with your child, but keep it in mind, look at it yourself and kind of follow it and then use other materials to teach that same concept so that they're not just getting confused with, well, now we're starting over with this program and this program. And that can feel really like confusing for their brain, especially if there's like different terminology being used, it becomes a lot. And they're like, well, wait, why were we doing this before? And now we're doing this and what really matters? <laughs> and then they can feel like, I don't want to because it becomes too much. So keep that in mind. Um, So the one other thing that I wanted to mention and kind of skipped over a little bit is that that battle. If you are battling with your child about doing something, progress is not being made, right? There's frustration. We really want to understand where our child is coming from. So I'm always an advocate of having that conversation, asking your child, what is it about reading that you're not liking? And then they're going to give you a lot of information, especially if they trust that you're going to believe what they tell you. You're not going to argue with them about what they say. And you're going to work with them to overcome that difficulty. So if there's, you know, if in the past, every time they say something, you come back with, yeah, but, uh, and you kind of dismiss what they're saying, they're going to be less likely to open up. So we really want to restructure that conversation so that you're always a team tackling the difficulty together. So when you're having that resistance, you're having that difficulty, you're having that conversation with them, what's going on? If they're like nothing or they don't tell you much, you can make guesses. I'm wondering if this just feels a lot harder for you than what we were doing last week, last month, last year whatever it was. And your child might say, no, it's just boring. Okay, it's boring. And as soon as you repeat that back, a lot of times they'll come back and pause. So repeat and pause. No, it's just boring. It's boring. And let and see if anything else comes up. Yeah, it's boring. And I just don't like it. And and we have to do it every single day. And I just want to do, you know, video games. And I, okay. And again, just repeating. It's boring. We're doing it every day. You'd rather be playing video games. And just keep waiting to see if anything else comes out that you can also work on. Okay. And then you're coming together. What can we do to make it feel less boring? Do you have any ideas? So then you can work on tackling that problem. And maybe it also came out that it's, it is hard and they're, they don't, it makes them feel dumb or something like that. You can work on that, right? You can bring that in. Okay. So I heard this, 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 you wrote it down. How are we going to address this? How are we going to address this? You're having that conversation. So I know that there's a lot here. Um, I would recommend Dr. Ross Green's work. He, he goes into a lot of this. 
collaborative problem solving. And that's really what you want to be doing with your child is figuring out what is the problem and how can we together tackle this problem? Because I'm on your side, right? You never want to be the one that's like forcing something because then you're, it's your child against you instead of you and your child against the reading challenge, the math challenge, whatever it is. Okay, I'll stop uh, preaching there. So the big takeaway that I want you to have for this whole thing is that every kid learns at their own pace. And I've never met one that learned at that theoretical, consistent, little by little pace. Now, some kids learn at their own pace and it is a slower pace and it can make us feel worried. Some kids learn at that sporadic pace. Most kids learn at some kind of sporadic pace, but that start and end point for each year may or may not be one year's worth of growth, in quotes, um, based on the average, right? Some kids' growth rate is going to be average, some kids will be above average, and some will be below average. And I know that's hard to grasp if your kid's the one that's below average, but keep in mind that they're probably below average. Most kids are below average in one area, but they have other skills and strengths in which they are above average, and it changes year to year. Some kids start off on this very above average trajectory. They've made like two years of growth. You know, they started kindergarten, couldn't read anything. They end kindergarten and they're reading at a third grade level. Huge growth. But it's not that they're going to keep making four years of growth every year. It'll slow down. And they'll work on other things. And maybe while they were making huge growth in that, they were making less growth in math or writing or social skills or sports activities or art or right, all of the other things that maybe your child is making more growth in. And we all just develop at different rates. And it's okay because it's not a race. There is no prize for finishing childhood first. <laughs> we just are doing what we can alongside our child to tackle difficulties and to celebrate all of their accomplishments every single day. Oops. Wrong button. If you want to learn how to teach your own child, work with your own child, be a problem solver with your own child, reach out to me, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com and we'll tackle something. We'll set something up, we'll get on a call and we can talk through what's going on and what you might need support with and I can kind of recommend the best options for you in your particular situation. Again, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I can't wait to talk to you again next week.